welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we are bringing you the story of Jessica McCord. And the summary that I got is she's a dumb criminal. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to this. She's also from Alabama, so... <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> Alright, so without further ado, let's kick it off to the case. tequila sunrise i'm really surprised we haven't done this one yet but it's super easy all you need is a shot of tequila whatever your definition of a shot is 1.25 ounces 1.5 ounce two ounces if you're sandra lee from the food network you know a good (laughs) glug 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 whatever makes your heart happy okay so your tequila and then orange juice just pour both into your glass And then you're going to top it off with a little bit of grenadine. And what happens is the grenadine sinks to the bottom and it looks like a sunrise. It's really pretty, delicious, easy. This is one of those classic cocktails that you can order anywhere. They should have it. And they should know how to do it. The question is always, is the orange juice actually good? Yes. But that is the cocktail for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And let's get to the case. Jessica McCord and Alan Bates met in high school in 1989 and couldn't have been more opposite of each other. I feel like, you know, it's the age-old saying, opposites attract. Sometimes that is the case and sometimes it's not. I feel like it depends on if your personalities can get along. Mm Mm-hmm. Alan was very active in school activities and considered to be popular. Jessica, on the other hand, was viewed as goth, and her friend group was viewed as antisocial and not completely accepted. I feel like I am Jessica. (laughs) Although I'm not Jessica, because I do not snap like Jessica. (laughs) When the two started dating, the rumor mill ran rampant, and even more, when Jessica became pregnant. The couple got married in a rushed ceremony. Life wasn't easy for the two, but they seemed to make it, like, work. They made the most of it. It's said at times, Jessica had a very high opinion of herself and her self-worth, and Alan could not, like, do anything right. Alan worked to support his family and also was working on getting his college degree. Alan was trying to better himself for the family and he grew tired of Jessica just continuing to make demands and just be unreasonable with her expectations. Basically, she's a little spoiled brat. That sounds Over time, the only thing holding their marriage together was their two daughters. 
they both knew their marriage was over, but Alan loved his girls, and for him, that was enough for him to stay married. Which is commendable, but also I hate when people use kids as a reason to stay married. Because it is not always the best option. So, while the girls were enough for him to, like, want to stay married and, like, do everything to just make the marriage tolerable... Jessica, on the other hand, continued with her demands and brat behavior, and to top it all off, she started having affairs. Not surprising. Yeah. The whole time I was, like, (laughs) researching this, like, it just, to me, it almost kind of brought up the whole, uh, Dwayne and his ex situation, Mm -hmm. but, like, Obviously not to a T, but I was just like, Jessica just, from what we've uh, heard, reminds me of, like, his ex. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Alan couldn't stand it anymore, and by 1994, they ended their marriage. Jessica wasn't happy Alan wanted to divorce, but changed her tune when he didn't seek custody of the girls and was willing to pay child support. I feel like that just speaks volumes. You don't want to be married to him. You clearly want to see other people. But as soon as he decides he's out, he doesn't want to deal with you anymore. You're mad, but then you find out, oh, you want to give me money? Cool. I'm okay with this now. So the two's so supposedly amicable like divorce changed as soon as Alan met Tara Clue Claw. I don't know how this last name is said. I do apologize. It's literally spelled K L U G H. So, your guess is as good as mine. So, Tara was the opposite of Jessica, and she truly cared about the girls. So, no surprise, Jessica hated her and hated the idea of her kids having a stepmom. Alan and Tara wed in June 2000, and not to be outdone, Jessica married Jeff McCord that same month. I feel like Jessica is just one of those people being like, oh yeah? Well, I can do that too. I can do anything better than you. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeff was a sheriff deputy that she met through work as a Birmingham police dispatcher. In her, like, work relationships work for some people, but I've seen too many that just go sideways that... I'm just one of those people that I don't feel like I could date Mm -hmm. someone I work with, let alone marry someone. Like, I know you and Nate started dating, like, while you were... I did that. And it worked out, but, like, now you're, like... I would not be able to work with I was going to say, now you're, like, I can't work with them. (laughs) I could not do it. I feel like there are certain circumstances, and it, it depends on the people... Yeah, I can't do it anymore. 
said, I'm sure, like, things happen, like, yes, it could possibly work out, but also, I feel like then it starts, you know, personal feelings start getting involved in, like, even just work decisions, and then it becomes an issue. Yeah. So, Jessica began to make it harder for Alan by making excuses for shortening his visitations with the girls. She also began to put probations on what he could do and what, like, they could, like, who they could see when he had the girls. Alan tried to do what she asked at first, but because, but, like, he became tired of it and took her to family court. Let's just say court didn't really go her way, (laughs) but Jessica didn't care. Despite court orders, she soon started making it to where Alan almost never saw the girls. She she would refuse his parenting time with the girls and like mostly by not being home during his scheduled pickup times and she would often move and not give Alan the address. She even went as far as to hide the girls at her mom's house. And I hate people that use their children as pawns. Yep. Like, I am so glad, like, my parents, <laughs> yes, their first marriages didn't work out, but they never used the kids as pawns. It was always, my parents are, like, those odd ones that, like, Maybe the first, like, couple of years of my parents being married and dealing with the exes, it was not, like, that smooth. I don't think, like, anybody really has a true smooth transition. Yeah. But, like... It's rare. Yeah. I know that, like, growing up, I always thought, like, the way my parents and their exes got along was just normal. And then as I went on, I found out it was not. Like, my dad's ex-wife lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and we used to go, like, at least twice a year to Nashville, and we would stay with Cindy, Mm -hmm. and we would sleep, like, over at our house and, like, do stuff like a big old happy family. Never saw anything wrong with it. And when we told people, you know, we'd go and visit. And we're like, yeah, we stayed at Cindy's. And that. they're like, your dad's ex-wife. You stayed with, with your dad's ex-wife. We're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Cindy would sometimes even give my parents her room. And she would sleep in the guest room. It's just weird. But, like, it's weird when I think about it now. But at the time, I thought it was so normal. Cool. Yeah, it's so cool that they were able to, like, do that. And put the family first. Yeah. I will say it wasn't always like that. There were times that my mom and Cindy, like, literally, like, were at odds. Like, my mom wouldn't let Cindy pull into her driveway. (laughs) But then things got better. But it's just, it's just funny because, like I said, like, when I see things like this where people just are so, like, vindictive and using their kids as pawns, it just, like, it makes my blood boil. I'm like, you're not doing what's healthy for the kids. You're just doing what makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she would basically go out of her way to make it to where Alan just almost never saw the girls. 
So Alan again took her to court and Jessica was lectured and threatened not to interfere with Alan's time with the girls. This became a pattern with Jessica and Alan. Alan spent money and time taking Jessica to court and all she continued to get was a slap on the wrist. Alan and Tara would eventually move to Maryland and Jessica decided she was going to stop attending court hearings altogether. Jessica's luck finally ran out in December 2001 when she was arrested on contempt of court charge and had to spend 10 days in jail. Now I know you're all probably wondering why didn't Alan just fight for custody to begin with since he so clearly wants to be like in his girls' lives? Mm -hmm. So Alan, despite their horrible marriage, believed Jessica was a good mother. He knew that with him going to school and working and everything, he wouldn't be able to give the girls like the type of parent yeah. they would need. So he figured if he just let Jessica have them, she could be that parent and he could still be in their lives. Yeah. Which is commendable on his point, like, his part. And I'm sure in his mind he, can, he like, pictured a completely different turn than, like, what happened. As time went on, he saw how she used the girls as pawns in her jealousy. He saw the effect it had on them and he knew enough was enough. And he finally filed for custody of the girls. And at this time, they were 10 and 12. Jessica knew this wouldn't be good. She had pushed the court too far and knew her custody of the girls would probably expire. She also needed the child support because her and Jeff had a lot of debt and she was unemployed. So how was she unemployed? Remember, she's this... She had met as a dispatcher in that. Well, Jessica had been fired by Birmingham Police Chief Mike Kopage for being absent without leave and a physical attack on Alan Bates. Like I said, she's just a dumb bitch. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. He said, You went to the home of your ex-husband and you admitted you hurt him to keep him from hurting you. And that, like, Kovich wrote this in the termination letter. Which, if you're not from Alabama, what you don't understand is Alabama is a fire at will state. You don't have to give a reason, but a lot of these places like to just cover their asses and have a reason. And I feel like, I mean, this is a, a pretty good one. So, like I said, Jessica got arrested. She had to spend 10 days in jail. And while she was there, she read a murder mystery and her plan began. Alan was coming to Birmingham to take part in depositions for, custody, for the custody case. He made arrangements through his attorney to visit with the girls. On February 15, 2002, 
Allen and Tara flew into Birmingham International Airport and rented a car. They had plans to go to the McCords and pick up the girls and then go visit with Allen's parents in Atlanta, Georgia. When they got to Jessica's house, they were met with a note on the door saying, Come to the back. We're having trouble with the front door. To me, that would be kind of a red flag, but I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. So Jessica met them at the back door and invited them in. She offered them a seat on the couch and left the room under the guise of getting the girls. I would be fucking so confused because this is the same woman that has made your life hell. You're taking her to custody to get the girls and suddenly she's so nice to you and your your wife that she has wanted no like nothing to do with her girls and you're not being like hey you're being super friendly like what the fuck is up? <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure if he would have done something, he would have been like, she's not going to let me see the girls. She left the room and the guys to go, like, get the girls. And they waited, weary of Jessica being so cordial. And when Jeff entered the room, he then proceeded to fire four shots into each of their bodies. They had no time to react and defend themselves. Thankfully, the girls weren't home at this time. They were at Jessica's mother, so Jessica never intended to let Alan or Tara have the girls. It was a setup. Yep. Jeff and Jessica were the only ones home, and they immediately started the next phase of their plan. They loaded Alan and Tara's bodies into the trunk of the rental car and drove to a remote area outside of Atlanta. They left the car in a field and lit it on fire, thinking this would destroy any evidence. False. (laughs) Right? I was like... You literally drove the car. Your DNA and everything is all the fuck over this car. You didn't add any, like, accelerant or anything like that. So you know this car doesn't have, like, a full gas tank. Or anything like, like, uh, like, (laughs) just like, uh, they're dumb. They then returned to Birmingham and began cleaning the crime scene. They stripped the blood-soaked leather from the couch replaced floor tiles, and wiped away blood splatter, thinking they had committed the perfect crime. And the article I found, like, that kind of described this whole situation, literally called them idiots. (laughs) (laughs) I chuckled for a good, I don't know how long, just reading this thing, being like, they thought they committed the perfect crime. They were idiots. So it's like yes. as a journalist. <laughs> oh, but I was just like you literally like there's a trail of court like appearances 
leading to like your you know history <laughs> they're expected in Atlanta they're supposed to have the girls and then you're just expecting authorities to find this car burnt to a crisp the bodies in the trunk and them not to question it idiots <laughs> like what So, when Alan and Tara failed to arrive in Atlanta at their scheduled time, Alan's parents weren't worried because Atlanta traffic is no joke. Like, if you've never driven through Atlanta, consider yourselves lucky. It's not fun. It doesn't matter what time of day you drive through. It's not fun. Nate refuses to take me to Atlanta. (laughs) Because he's the driver. Yeah. And he won't drive there. And I don't think he's willing to ride in the car whenever I drive there either. <laughs> I've had to drive through it a couple of times. Um, my sister that now lives in Australia lived in Atlanta for a little bit. So, like, I did go and visit her a time or two. And I've gone to a concert in Atlanta. It's just... You just have to, like, really... Pay attention. Give yourself time. Like... A good two and a half to three hour leeway mm-hmm. is a good, like, time frame. Yeah. And if it takes you less than that, consider yourself lucky. And like I said, you just walk around downtown Atlanta. You go to the world of Coke yep. and you just waste time, okay? The Cheesecake Factory. Yes. So, like I said, his parents weren't worried because Atlanta traffic isn't really, like, anything to, you know joke about it's gonna delay you but when they tried calling both of the cell phones and they got no answer and they tried calling you know the Maryland home just to make sure like you know something wasn't up with like the flight and whatnot and still got no answer that's when they began to worry as they should mm-hmm. Philip's dad called police and hospitals to inquire about his son and daughter-in-law to no avail. In the early morning hours of February 16, 2002, a farmer called to report what he thought was a forest fire. Police first thought the car had been stolen in Atlanta and taken for a joyride and left abandoned. That all changed when they discovered two burned bodies in the trunk of the car. The fire managed to get so hot that the license plate melted off, but it stayed intact enough for police to use it to trace the car back to Mavis Car Rental in Birmingham. And after that, Jessica was a prime suspect in the murders of Alan and Tara Bates. I wonder why. (laughs) Police immediately interviewed Jeff at work and did not seem and he did not seem concerned with like the Bates death or that he was being interviewed. He told police that Alan and Tara never showed up to pick up the girls and he and Jessica celebrated Valentine's Day after taking the girls to her mom's. He even showed ticket stubs for Lord of the Rings. 
police interviewed Jessica at her mom's house and she gave the same story and added that she had called Alan to ask where he was and they never called her back. Investigators didn't buy their story and got a search warrant for the McCord's home. On February 17, 2002, they arrived at the home to no one being there and had to force themselves in. Police were shocked to see what looked like a very rushed remodel of the family home. There were new floor tiles and new wallpaper on the walls that wasn't even properly aligned. When police removed the wall wallpaper, they discovered a bullet hole in the drywall. They also discovered a small amount of blood on the glass coffee table. And here's my whole thing. If you're trying to cover up a crime, whether you're doing a shitty job, take the time to fill in a fucking bullet hole. <laughs> like, it's called you get some, like, spackle and you throw it on the wall. You clearly never moved out of an apartment before. Right? Spackle, toothpaste, they do wonders. <laughs> I had the pink goo. Oh, yeah. I love the pink goo. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Um, so investigators knew that this was the crime scene. And with the evidence found, they were able to secure arrest warrants for Jessica and Jeff. Now the question was, where were they? So they eventually found the couple at a friend's home. They had tried to flee the state, but returned to Alabama and spoke to an attorney. They were arrested on two counts of first-degree murder. The case was mostly circumstantial and focused around around Jessica and Alan's custody battle. Prosecutors believed their case to be airtight and wouldn't consider a plea deal for Jessica, but would for Jeff. Jeff wasn't smart enough to tell his wife not not to murder her ex and his new wife, but he knew going to jail labeled a snitch was not good. So the one smart thing he did do was not testify against his wife. At her trial, Jessica tried to say that she was a victim. She told the jury that Alan was trying to take the girls away from her. She cried and said Alan wasn't the nice guy he was portrayed as and that he had a dark side. I feel like this is every woman's, like, go-to. When you're the problem, you try to turn it on the male because they're... Easy target. Yeah. As much as I am for, you know women getting the justice they deserve there are these few that take what like we're basically trying to preach of start believing women and they make it so that it benefits them when it shouldn't so the jury wasn't buying it on february 15th 2003 a year to the day of alan and tara's murders Jessica was found guilty of both counts of first-degree murder. During sentencing, Jessica never said sorry and continued to claim her innocence. 
Her testimony focused on her children. And this ultimately probably saved her from the death penalty. The jury opted for life without parole. Jeff McCord, the man that shot Alan and Tara, was also found guilty. And he was sentenced to life in prison, but is eligible for parole after serving 25 years. So, he has already served 19, so he should be eligible for parole here very soon. Mm-hmm. And I'll be interested to know if he's able to get out, which I feel like he probably will. Yeah. He's a police officer, former police officer, and they're going to probably appeal that he was led astray by his wife and just wanted to make his wife happy. There are other ways to make your wife happy, sir. Probably. But that is the story of Jessica and um I don't think Nate would ever commit murder for me. <laughs> I I yeah, I don't feel like there are too many men that probably would, but there there are this a few. Was one of them. Jeff was apparently a weak man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that, but like he was easily manipulated by by Jessica to get her way. It's just like I forget how I found this case, but I like started reading it, and I was just like, "All right, it's in Alabama, okay." As I started, I went, okay, this is taking a turn, not the way I thought it was going to. And then I was just like, oh man, this just like hits home in certain ways. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. That was an interesting case. I'm, I'm surprised I haven't heard of it before. Right? I feel like, I mean, it's 2002. I was like, I may have heard about it, but it just, it's been so long, mm-hmm. but it didn't really ring a lot of bells, but that is my case, I guess with that being said, let us know what you think, let us know if there's some cases that maybe we've all forgotten about that um, you remember, and we'll try to look into it. And with that being said, we'll kick you off to the last call. Welcome back to another last call with Sloan. This one's going to be pretty short and sweet, but I saw a TikTok on this and wanted to cover it. Did you know that Sheena Ibu... Shiva Inu... (laughs) Damn. Shiva Inus almost went extinct. And after World War II, there were only three of them left. So all of them in the world today came from three that survived World War Two. Little baby Leo. I know, our little baby Leo. We have a nephew, Shiva in you. He's adorable. He's the bestest dog. He's, so is he's my such dogs. a good dog. It <laughs> just gave me the biggest he's glare. like, Mom, I'm right here. <laughs> One of the best dogs <laughs> I know. Damn. All right, anyways. So... A medium-sized hunting dog breed called Shiva Inu once faced extinction in Japan because of war and disease. Now, the breed is a pet owner rage in Taiwan, 
and the size and temperament of the fluffy orange and white dogs mesh with people's apartments lifestyle in the dense Taiwanese cities. Their penchant for the dogs reflect a liking for Japanese culture and helps sustain the species. So, uh, the Shiba Inu and other Shiba breeds date back thousands of years when Japanese tribes used them to hunt large and small game. I would love to see Leo hunt. <laughs> Shiba Inu dogs nearly went extinct in the 1940s in Japan, according to the American Kennel Club Advocacy Group. Most died in World War II bombing raids or after the war from distemper, a contagious viral infection. Breeding programs that began after the war helped restore the Shiba in Japan. Japan now calls these dogs a national treasure, as they should be. Yes. But that is pretty much my last call. The rest of the article goes on to talk about how they're good in hunting and how they're good in dog shows and things like that but if you've never seen one of these dogs like you need to look up a picture because they're so cute and fluffy i love that like oh i love leo he's he's so funny because um i believe it but he's a mix he's like that and i think a little bit chow we believe he's part chow because he has like the purple tongue yeah but like he's so funny because he doesn't bark I've only really heard him bark once, mm -hmm. and it surprised even him. Yeah. He looked like, what the fuck was that? Who did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, my dogs bark at everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I just thought that it was really cool that, like, a whole species of dog. Almost, Well, like, not, not species, breed. Breed of dog is repopulated from three dogs. I would be so sad if we didn't have a Leo. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't know any better. That's depressing, too. But I just, I, I saw that, and I was like, we, we got to talk about this because of our nephew. I like that. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on our socials. We have Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. They're all tequila she wrote across the board. You can also email us with any case suggestions, cocktail recipes, anything like that. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up for as little as $2 a month. You get ad-free episodes, and then you got some bonus tiers that you get stuff like a Rooney in Paradise episode, a Haunted episode, that's like kind of your jam. So there's a few little things over there. There's also a little bit of merch over there. The easiest way to find us is by going to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. Or you can go to our socials, and we have our link tree set up, and there's a link that will take you directly there. If you have any questions, reach out. We'll try to help you to our best ability. And, yeah. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>